0: The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan.
1: Well, here we go again. Welcome. Glad you're with us. WTMJ Nights. Big show planned. I want you to get involved. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank. Talk a text line. When you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He is taking care of executive producing the big broadcast tonight. And if you want to text in, here is our text question of the night. Let's get things started with some responses to this question. What was your favorite summer job when you were younger? What was your favorite summer job when you were younger? 855-616-1620. Again, the old National Bank talk a text line. Hopefully tonight... We make it all the way through the show without any uh, technical issues. We had a little one at the end last night, but Matt assures me that that uh, has been uh, taken care of. And by assured me, I mean both of us have our fingers crossed. That's really all we can do because technology is a fickle mistress. Would you agree, Matt?
2: Yes, I would agree. Yes
1: like yes why are you talking to me already we've just barely started the program uh it is uh, it is good to be here i was thinking about this with the summer jobs cuz when you're like in high school and in college those summer jobs mean a lot and some are better than others uh i was i a lot of them fell into the same category for me as well these were pretty good these were okay jobs um i made the money that i needed to make and that was fine and none of them were uh were things that I would do or uh, end up doing for the rest of my life which was which is fine you no know, i um I started out catting in the summer but that was before i was 16 so that was you know eight, after eighth grade so the summer after eighth grade i started catting and then i caddied a couple summers after that then i was 16 and i worked at a uh, long john silvers for about three weeks, because the um, the uh, grease on the floor from all the deep fryers, this is back in the day when you had the, the shoes with the, uh, I forget what the, what the material was called, but it was soft, it was uh, kind of rubbery soft stuff, and it ate through that, it ate through the, the soles of the shoes. So I was done there, and I went to work at a restaurant, as a busboy, dishwasher kind of thing, and it was a nice restaurant. It was a restaurant that we had gone to all the time. As uh, for like big, big events, we would go to that restaurant, neighborhood place. It was really good. So I worked there for a while, and then I got a job at a grocery store where I worked for a couple of years during high school. Uh, also, that was not just a summer job. That was a good job because it was only a couple blocks from the house. The money was good. It was crazy because at uh, seventeen, I was in a union. Because the, the United Food and Commercials Workers Union uh, handled the busboys, and the big goal—the big goal was to get to be a stocker because those guys made real money uh, stocking groceries. So, but I, I never made it to that. Then, uh, then in college, the I think the worst job was the summer after I graduated from college. Before I got a uh, quote-unquote real job, I was working for a contractor and I was working at a uh, you know they were building this subdivision and I was just a laborer which was fine except some of the labor was really gross because if you've ever worked construction you know that a lot of times on a construction site there are no facilities and some of the crews would come in like the drywall crew and stuff and they were only there for short amount of time and if there were no facilities well they would just go in the corner of the house that was being built, or in the uh, basement the foundation of a house that was being built, and you really couldn 't just leave it there, so it fell on the low man on the totem pole, which was moi, to go in and clean that up now i 've always hated cleaning up after my dogs, imagine me cleaning up after humans, so that was that was probably the worst. all the rest there wasn 't really a best like I was never a lifeguard um I never had a, a really cool outdoor job. I guess I liked catting' because my buddies were all catting, so that was fun. Uh, we're getting some. Matt, did you ever? Did you have a favorite summer job? You're still a young man. I don't know if you consider this your summer job. I hope not. But, oh no. Uh, did you like during high school and college? Did you have a favorite summer job?
2: So I worked as a camp counselor in the summers between my sophomore and junior year of high school, and then my junior and senior year. That was fun. It was good. It was the camp that I went to for five years. So I was able to work there, coach, teach activities. Um, So that was good. And then the summer between my senior year and my first year of college, I was a tennis coach down in Chicago. So I'd work probably eight-hour days. We'd have the kids in the morning because it was the summer. We'd had two sessions of them. And then at nighttime was when we did our adult classes, and I was mostly on the high school drill and getting the players ready for their upcoming Scholastic seasons. So that was fun. It was nice to be in the sun. You get exercise as a part of the job, yeah. which is really nice. So that was fun. And then throughout college, I was broadcasting baseball all three years, one year in that's South not, Dakota and then two years in Kenosha.
1: That is not a, bad, that's not a bad string of gigs.
2: No, I'm very fortunate.
1: That's pretty good. So this was a sleepaway camp, the camp counselor thing?
2: Yep, I got to give a shout-out. They're on their last night tonight uh, before the kids go home tomorrow morning, shout out to the North Star Camp staff and uh, campers as well. I was able to visit there a month ago for my brother's ten-year anniversary, and uh, they're doing a really good job up there.
1: Wow, nice! I never went to sleepaway camp. We had when I was a kid. We had um, there was like a day camp where we'd get on a bus early in the morning and we'd go out, uh, you know, not too far out into the. Suburbs that were still kind of wilderness, and there was a big park there that had been there, or a big camp there that had been there for years. But um, the only sleep I went to sleepaway camp once for basketball camp that was it. But uh, is it like in the movies? Is it like meatballs when you go away to sleepaway camp
2: or Friday the 13th? (laughs) where Where would it fall? In the middle somewhere? Well, funny you actually mentioned meatballs because the camp that I went to is North Star Camp. I have stories on end about North Star, the camp I went to, and North Star Meatballs. Was it
1: the same name? I, I have. I don't think I, I've seen I, I have. Since it first came out.
2: I don't know if we yes. have time,
1: but I'll, well, I'll... you know what? Hang on to that story. We'll hear the story of uh, Camp North Star, and we'll get. We got a lot of a lot of great jobs coming in on the text line. We'll read all those if you want to jump in, either by text or phone. It's eight five five six one six one six twenty, the old National Bank Talk at text line. Text question tonight: Your favorite summer job when you were younger? It's WTMJ Nights. Then. All right, Noonan here, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, We started out just asking the text question of the night, which is what was your favorite summer job when you were younger? And uh, let me give a couple of the ones from the text line. We've got a lot there. We'll get to those. And uh, then Matt has a story of being a camp counselor at Camp North Star, not the one in the movies. Bill Murray, I don't think, was there. Uh, And I've... uh, Then I have to, I completely forgot about one of the summer jobs. It was actually really fun. Uh, From the 414, Melody Top Theater as an usher. That's a good one. From the 262, I was a dog track lead out in Kenosha at Dairyland Greyhound Park. There are lots of similar aged, 16 to 21-year-olds. Definitely a fun job. Yeah, if you're around a lot of people your age for a summer job like that, you're going to have a good time. Doug says, I worked in the Dells at Riverview Park great atmosphere, good tan, and you got to do everything for free. That's that's uh, that might be a winner. Uh from the 262, working on the farm with a couple friends, baling hay, picking rocks, they paid us well and we worked hard and had fun. See, as long as you're with your friends, you're going to have a good time. Another 262 number, my favorite summer job uh was working at a, there hold on, it jumped. Ah uh, uh, was being Craven De Puff, the cream puff mascot at the fair, even though it was really hot it was my favorite. That I hope I hope they gave you an unlimited amount of cream puffs. That would besides being paid I think at the end of the day, when they go, well, listen, we got some cream puffs left over. Craven D Puff gets to take them home. All right, we'll get to some more of these in just a minute. But I'm fascinated by Matt as a camp counselor. Were you teaching people to make lanyards? Uh, what 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 were you doing? And what was the story that you wanted to tell? Because I did not realize when you said I got to give a shout out to Camp Northstar, where you uh, where you worked and where
2: you went, that that was the same name as the camp in Meatballs. So we actually have nothing but something at the same time to do with the film. North Star's (laughs) first summer was in 1945, so they're approaching 80 years next year. Wow. The film Meatballs came out in 1979 with Bill Murray. But I'll get to the story in just a moment. Uh, My primary role at the camp was, so all staff, except for the out-of-cabin staff, are in cabins. I had 11-year-olds my first summer and 12-year-olds my second summer, and then... I also would teach activities. My main one was tennis, and then I would teach primarily land sports, so football, baseball, basketball, you name it, pretty much anything on land, and then I would also assist with sailing. But sailing was pretty much the only thing that I would do in the water because at the start of each summer when you're a camper, you have to take a swim test. You do it on the second day you're there, It's so you can get cleared to go in the water, do water activities, you name it, just for safety. I failed three of the five swim
3: tests
2: (laughs) that I had to take. How does that happen? I passed my first summer because I was 11 years old. It was only four lengths. Easy peasy. And I passed my last summer, which was twice as long, except the day after the oldest campers go on a (laughs) 10-day canoeing trip in Canada. Nice. And so I had a ton of motivation to pass that test because if I didn't pass that test, there would be a lot of restrictions in Canada for me. Uh, and so I was motivated. I was just like, just get it done, just get it done. I don't know what it was because I'm a fine swimmer. Like if I'm in you a dire you said situation, you've been going to that camp, how do you not, how do you not pass the test? If I'm in a dire situation, I can get myself out of it. It's just the lake water and the cold. I don't know what it was, and you're taking the swim test after an eight-hour bus ride the day before. Summers two, three, and four, those swim tests didn't go well for me. Sounds like a lot of excuses. But then I would pass it on my second time, and all all is well that ends well. But getting to the story, so, you know, in meatballs, they have the saying, it just doesn't matter in the speech. Yes, It just doesn't matter. Exactly. And in the movie, it was about Camp Mohawk. And it just doesn't matter if they win or lose the competition against Camp Mohawk. Because Camp Mohawk is going to get all the girls anyways. That was the whole point behind the speech. At North Star, we have a saying that we even put on shirts. Exactly that. It just doesn't matter. That started because of the movie Meatballs. Now, our philosophy behind it just doesn't matter is isn't nearly the same as what happens in the movie because our philosophy on competition is you want to behave yourself in a way during the game that your opponent will want to be friends with you before the game, during the game, and after the game. So That's we a have, recipe
1: for losing.
2: We have competition. We have a United Nations Day, our first session, where the camp's divided into four teams. Same thing second session. We also have a green-white competition. There's a lot of competition in... We value competition. We value trying your best and getting the job done. All right. Except so it's the way this, you carry how does yourself.
1: this tie into the T-shirt?
2: This ties into the T-shirt because we have T-shirts that say it just doesn't matter. Now, the director at the time was like, this movie came out with meatballs. It's using your name. We've had the name since 1945. You know, take sure. it up. You can make some stuff off this. And the director at the time didn't want it because he's like, are you kidding me? I'm getting enough free publicity as it is, and now we have this adjacency to use it. (laughs) And so it was a huge opportunity because the name North Star Camp just got so much more popular because of Meatballs, and it's been a give and take. Like, the camp in Hayward, Wisconsin that I went to takes, you know, the adjust doesn't matter, the story and all that, whereas... The movie used the name. So there are a lot of connections, but at the same time, no one in the film had a connection to the actual camp. Right.
1: Well, that's unfortunate. I, would, uh, I wonder if anybody went there and then was disappointed that it was just a regular camp. Uh, some other favorites coming in. Uh, working for Experimental Aircraft Association. That sounds fun. Jeff says, my favorite summer job was working at a movie theater. I got to see free movies such as Die Hard and Coming to America. Yes, Die Hard was a summer movie and not originally a Christmas movie. Thank you, Jeff. 414, delivering newspapers. It taught me responsibility and uh, good money at 13. That was, yeah, uh, any time, like at 13, if you're making some money, any money seems good. Um, and you're like, oh man, I got a little, I got a little fold of money in my pocket. Worked at Rot Washer in the summer before attending WSU. Made three thousand dollars. That's nice. Two six two says in college I was studying art and got recruited to a sleepaway camp in Maine to be a photography instructor, and that was an awesome summer meeting lots of people from different countries, traveling on our weekend off, and room and board provided. Uh, Jeff, not a fan of Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp is a very disturbing horror movie. It freaked my friends and me out very badly. Wizzo from Bozo Circus was nothing compared to Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp is... Uh... You know, I think it would have been fun. My daughter my daughter went to Sleepaway Girl Scout camp in the mountains in California when she was uh, just in kindergarten. I think she was five. So she had no fear. She went away to Sleepaway Camp, even though we were a little nervous because they had said, well, sometimes there's mountain lions and whatnot around here. Um, oh, our Craven D, uh, our person who was the cream puff mascot, they didn't give me unlimited cream puffs. Oh, man, what a rip. What a rip. Uh, <laughs> all right. We got to do this. Then I'll come back. I'll uh, tell you my favorite, and we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. Good. I'll, we're still getting texts though. If you want to jump in with your favorite summer job, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Lot to do. It's WTMJ nights. Now more of WTMJ nights.
4: Today, the music died.
3: We were singing my-
1: yes, I used to tour with a, a Buddy Holly tribute band. No, that's not true. Uh... It is. We're talking about your favorite summer jobs. Uh, it started off as just a text question tonight. It took off. We're always happy to uh, to hear from you guys. James sent in his favorite summer job was at the Chalet Motel as a desk clerk. Met Lemmy from Motorhead. They trashed a room. Met Greg Louganis, the Olympic gold medalist, many of the 82 brewers, and Barb Lanier from the Bucks. There you go. Uh, very cool, oh, somebody worked at, from the 856, a liquor store, stocking and delivering, invited to partings, parties, weddings, etc. cetera, which I delivered to earlier in the day because I brought the beer, it was heavenly, yes. I forgot about this, this probably, as I look back, was the most fun while it was happening, even though there were a couple instances where it was definitely not fun. The job my summer between junior and senior year in college I was working at a tiny radio station on the weekends and I was also bouncing at a big nightclub and the nightclub the nightclub had uh, had mob ties I will say that I'm not going to say the name of the club but uh, had some mob ties which I didn't know when I started working there but uh, every once in a while we would get the word that we had to keep everybody downstairs because there was an important meeting going on upstairs but you know, hanging out. Uh, you know, in a, being paid to be in a club was fun until you know you had to get in a fight or throw somebody out, and there a lot of girls. That was nice. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of free drinks after we closed at two a.m. So that was a lot of fun until right before I went back to school, where one night there was an issue and I had a gun pointed at me. That was that was probably the worst night of the. Uh, of the job anybody ever pull a gun on you at summer camp matt
2: no (laughs) no
1: it's not it's a whole different whole different vibe up there at summer camp they
2: don't have the way we do it they don't have access to phones technology is very limited they're only allowed to have an mp3 player that does not have internet capability Nice. Good. That's all they're allowed. It's, now that's they are why you're al-
1: supposed to go to the woods to be t- disconnected.
2: Yeah, they are allowed to call home if it's their birthday or obviously if something unfortunate happens at home, then that obviously gets communicated. But other than that, they're disconnected for how long they're there.
1: Nice. Did you have anybody crying or wet in the beds?
2: Oh, man. We only <laughs> have until eight. Dom's running a so, little late with his golf game, so we might have a little extra time but <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, there were a lot of uh there was one camper we were on our camping trip. I was a counselor on the St Croix River in between Wisconsin and Minnesota. first session, the trip did not go well. The group got separated from each other, one thing led to another it wasn't fun i' um, I'll leave it I'll leave it at that <laughs> All right, leave for it time's there. sake. Second session, we go on the same trip because it's the same age group, slightly different group because we have some four-weekers first session, some four-weekers second session. And the same kid that lost his mind first session, I played the role of navigator. So I had the map just in case we got separated again. Everybody knew where we were supposed to meet, the mileage and all that. Whenever a camper asked me the mileage, I would lie because that's not their issue. They just need to enjoy being with each other paddling and all that. Yeah, just enjoy enjoy the time. It doesn't matter when we get there. Stop so, asking me. He asked me if we passed this landmark, and I said, "No, we're not even halfway to that landmark yet." Obviously, lying. We passed it like a half hour ago. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm fed up. And so I asked This kid throws the biggest fit a temper tantrum, flips his canoe (laughs) Nice, good. in the middle of the river, bags start going down the river, kids in the water. I honestly created much more of a mess than I anticipated, but, man, was it a worthwhile mess. (laughs) So
1: much lying in summer camp. Oh, Matt. Uh, I, I went to a sleepaway camp once. I forgot about this. Now all the memories come flooding back. It was one week for Boy Scout camp. Um, so it was probably between seventh and eighth grade, and all I remember was uh, th- this is how long ago it was. We got to shoot real rifles uh, on the range, so we had, we were shooting real guns, which was fun. Um, but then I forgot when we were going for our swimming merit badges and stuff. When you went to the pool, you were supposed to put your tag on this pegboard, and then when you left, you took the peg the tag off the pegboard, so that way they would know no Boy Scouts were down at the bottom of the pool. Well, I forgot I, to oh. take my tag. I know I got I was banned from the pool for a couple days. Um, it was not good, and it was you know it, it was it was a rough time. So I got in trouble there, then it was pouring. And I remember being uh, let's just say a little emotional. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Uh, from the 414, I worked as a vendor at County Stadium from eighty two until eighty seven. It was a commission job, so the more I hustled, the more I made. I was in great shape and got to see a lot of great baseball. I knew another guy who was a uh, a vendor at a ballpark, and he said the same thing about getting in shape like that because you're running up and down the stairs all day trying to uh, trying to get rid of what's in your cooler or your steam box. Two six two sold snow cones from a tricycle with a snow cone shaped cooler and a dome with syrups. When I was twelve to fifteen years old, that sounds like a fun job because at the end of the day, little snow cone action. Who doesn't like a nice snow cone? Four one four worked on the neighborhood popcorn truck in the neighborhood festivals. Met my current wife thirty three years ago. When you can lure and pull a woman just using popcorn, that's game, my friend. Good for you. Congrats. Uh, James said, "Ario Speedwagon played at the Starlight Roller Rink in nineteen seventy eight in Milwaukee. They're at the State Fair tonight. They are. They're headlining the uh, the main stage tonight. Ario Speedwagon. Love them. I've said." So, I camped out overnight to get REO Speedwagon tickets back in the day they did. Matt, how about this? You know, Taylor Swift just did six nights in uh, L.A. Taylor does this. REO Speedwagon did five nights at the International Amphitheater in Chicago. That's how big they were back in 81. Five nights. Sold out. Five nights. Crazy. Uh, Last one, favorite summer job. Was in summer break in college, bartending and pumping gas. That is a crazy combination at a local bar restaurant on the lake in my hometown. Oh, on the lake. Okay, that makes sense. 21 years old, the amount of bikinis coming through and phone numbers garnered was fantastic. <laughs> pumping gas and crushing. What? That's all. All right. Let's, let's do this. And then we'll turn serious. Eh, yeah, we got to turn serious for a minute. Just a little minute. How do you feel about cameras being in courtrooms? We're going to get into that for a little bit right after this. It's WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan here until 8 o'clock. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Feel free to use it. Use it more than once. This isn't an election. You can call as many times as you want. Uh, One is good, though, for this. How do you feel about federal trials being televised? And there's a big reason this is coming up, because there are people who are calling for the upcoming trial of Donald Trump to be televised, to allow cameras in the courtroom. The problem is there is old, old laws and policies governing federal courts. So you're not allowed, you can't audio record in a federal court, you can't video. Um, The Supreme Court and the Congress has the power to carve out this exception to allow that live coverage But uh, they have to act on it. And in this trial, I think it is imperative that there be cameras in the courtroom. I don't care what side of the aisle you are on. And for once, neither does Congress because they are Republicans and Democrats. A group of senators is trying to get the Supreme – the courts to allow – cameras for this trial. This is a historic trial, and no matter what side you're on or what opinion you have, it is better for the American public to be able to watch and hear everything that happens in this trial for themselves. If if they choose, which I, I think most, let's be honest, most of us would watch this trial if it was on. We watched the events on January 6th, we want to see the trial. We want to see what's going to come of this. So I, I'm i all for this. Well, Senator Chuck Grassley from Ohio, who you know is a Republican, uh, he's been working with Democratic senators, too, to try to get this to happen, saying it would be a victory for transparency, which is true. This is not something that I don't even want to get the information on this secondhand. I think anybody who's interested in what is really going to happen in this courtroom wants to see it, wants to know. Because I think if you watch it and you hear words from people's mouths and you watch the testimony and you watch how the lawyers are questioning both sides and what's going on, it's it's harder to spin it. It's harder to... Look at something and say, "Well, that's not what that person said." Well, it is that we we all saw it. Instead of me being in a courtroom and taking notes and then reporting to you, and or you reporting to me and me going, well, "I'm not quite sure I trust this source." Our eyes are the best source, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree? So this is this is a big thing. It hasn't really. It hasn't gone anywhere. They've proposed it. The bill would give federal judges the discretion to open trials to cameras. It's called the Sunshine in the Courtroom Act. It's a nod to a famous quote from former Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis. Uh, he said, sunshine is said to be the best disinfectant. But the weird thing is it's not. it hasn't gone anywhere. There's also a companion bill to open up arguments at the Supreme Court to public viewing. I think you know, we'd all be interested in that. Now the Supreme Court though does release audio a couple hours after they've uh, after they've had their hearings. So at least if you're if you're so inclined, you can go and listen to what went on in the Supreme Court, but most of us want to see it. I'm I'm much more a visual learner, so I like to see things like this. I want to watch, I want to see, you know, uh, I want to see the expression on somebody's face. I want to see the body language. I want to listen to the words, but I want to see the whole thing. So, I don't know why uh I don't know why it hasn't gone anywhere. I don't know why there hasn't been any movement, but um you know, people say well, the critics of cameras in the courtroom say that it will be a distraction and it will cause people to cause people to act up for the cameras, you know, there's going to be grandstanding by witnesses, there's going to be grandstanding by attorneys, and yeah, okay, maybe, but there's only so much you can do in the construct of the law, you know, you can't act the fool in a courtroom without being held in contempt, or if you're an attorney being censured, and there's objections to, you know, stupid questions, there's all kinds of things that would keep you in line, and I think we sometimes treat the law a little too preciously like oh we 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 have to just let it happen behind closed doors that's fine for you know for most things but not something like this not something like not something like the trial of a former president on a variety of charges this is something we all need to see um the the critics use the example of the O.J. trial, and Johnny Cochran doing "if it doesn't fit, you must acquit." Let's be honest, Johnny Cochran would have used that defense if there were no cameras in there. I think the biggest culprit in that trial was Judge Ito, who all of a sudden decorated his bench with a million clocks, and he loved working to the cameras. But um, no, I don't think, I don't think that's a valid argument. I think we there is a public interest. In this trial being televised, I think it will go a long way—go a long way—to dispelling some of the uh, division that we have. I I think if you know, uh, at some point, some people are never going to change their mind, one way or another. No, wherever you stand on that issue, you are not going to change your mind. Some people, some people, still will have faith in the court of law and a jury, which is made up of. Allegedly and ideally a defendant's peers and an impartial judge. Oh, but they're not impartial. Well, they- you know what? The law is the law. And judges, judges know that if they deviate, that that case will go to appeal, which most cases do anyway. So I'm uh, I'm for it. What say you, 855-616-1620? It is WTMJ Knights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Should federal courts allow cameras in them? There is a new bill. The, uh, the Supreme Court is... Uh, well, I'm sorry. The Sunshine in the Courtroom Act. Sunshine in the Courtroom Act. Uh, bipartisan group of senators are pushing for this. The bill again, would allow federal judges the discretion to open trials to cameras. Jeff says, I'm fine with it, but I think it can be counterproductive. The monster who murdered the people in the shop parade clearly took advantage of the cameras to disrupt the judicial process and cause trouble. I highly recommend discretion. Yeah, well, there's going to be discretion. It's not going to be all, first of all, it wouldn't be all federal cases. It would be ones that, like the like the trial of the former president when it comes around. Uh, this is a trial that I believe all Americans need to see. Now, I also believe that uh, the former president will work the cameras a little bit in the courtroom, but the lawyers all know this going in, and there is a point where the judge can put a stop to anybody in the courtroom. You know, um, I also think having the cameras there, and this was this was uh, one of the things in the Waukesha trial, Yes, that guy, was, that guy was a monster, first of all. But he also, you could tell he was working for the cameras. What I liked about it was there could be no argument after that the judge was treating him unfairly and not allowing him his rights as somebody who was representing himself. If you watched that trial, and I'm sure most of you saw at least, at least excerpts of it on the news, the judge was extremely patient. Because he was representing himself, so she gave him enough rope to hang himself, figuratively, of course. I think that would also happen in this, except the former president is not going to be representing himself. He's going to be represented by a phalanx of high-priced lawyers, which is his right. Uh, The federal prosecutors are not going to allow this because they know what's coming. So there's going to be a different restriction on what happens in this trial then on what would happen in a regular trial or what happened in waukesha so um let's go to the phones ray is in whitefish bay hi ray hey brian how you doing i'm doing all right what do you think about all this well i just
5: tuned in to see what was going on with the traffic on 94 southbound but uh i heard what you were talking about with opening up the courts for anybody to see and all that's all I heard I you know the Trump- yeah it's a, there's
1: there's a movement to get the federal courts to open up to cam because they don't allow uh, audio recording they don't allow cameras and there's a bipartisan group of senators who are trying to change that because the congress or the supreme court can change that and my point was for the uh, and some other opinions that I've read uh which back me up that the upcoming trial of the former president, we should be able to see that, all of us. No matter where you fall on the issue, this is the kind of trial we all need to be able to see.
5: Well, I think Trump is an exemplary figure. I think that he proved that when he kind of shook the foundations of the country by being elected president. But I think the laws are in place for a reason. Uh, The case study that I had in mind when I called in was the Duke... uh, University lacrosse team who had all those kids pretty much had their lives ruined by an right. overzealous DA who uh, took some unscrupulous character's testimony and then ran with it. And then it was in the national press. And then if they were to have every detail of their life scrutinized in a court case, uh, I think that that would ruin not only their lives, but the people who are in their lives around them. I think that. There are reasons why those court processes are sealed, well, and, and Ray i Trump—no,
1: I agree with you, but I agree with you on on some points. But I I would like to get your opinion on this. This case, whether you believe whether you believe in his guilt or you believe in his innocence, this case well, let affects let right this just, case I, affects I, I, all of us. Go ahead. Well, right. No, ca-
5: so what you're saying is that no, no, okay. It what I'm saying is we all should be able to see this. Because he's the president. Yes, because
1: he's because the president. He's an
5: ex-president. So then he, he's not subject to the laws. He's, so he's not subject to the laws, and he's not subject to the protections of the laws because of his well, yes, exemplary... No, well,
1: yes, he is. He's getting all the protections of the laws. I'm just saying to to ease the minds of a lot of the citizens of this country we should be able to go on because let's That's be honest right now you and i easing the minds
5: of people is not a good reason to change law it it isn't it is you in know, this case uh, it's not
1: a law it's just a policy it's not it's not okay, a law well, then why do you, why, then why do the then why do we need lawmakers to because in it? the because either the supreme court or the congress has the power to change this policy i didn't write i didn't write the constitution yeah, well, right i guess i'm not familiar I'm, i guess i'm not well the
5: constitution's a is a law document is it not so i mean if we're i I think well let's talk about the distinction between law and policy so what what are we talking about i mean i guess i don't know the exact mechanisms and i don't know enough about it to talk to about it in depth but it sounds like they're changing the law for an exemplary individual like somebody who
1: is it's no, so they're ch- they're trying to change the policy because, and, and this is policy. listen. This is Republican Republican senators are leading this, Ray. So it's not it's well, it not a political matter thing. What, whether
5: they're Republican, well, it or does it but does it, because it, it mean it's not it, a political thing. It is. It, I mean, well, it's, okay. What what is the what is the word political mean? It root is from the Greek polis, which means of the city. All right,
1: all Ray. Of listen, so here's it, the thing. Go ahead. Go you, ahead now, now, you and I are coming at this from different sides, because, and which is right. fine, but with that that's perfect. My point is, this country is very divided. This, this trial, whether you believe it's just or not, is going to happen. The people who think it's an unjust trial and that the former president is being railroaded for whatever reason are never going to believe something that they hear 2nd as a report from a court reporter. People who think he is guilty if if things go the other way and the president is found the former president is found not guilty are never going to fully believe what happened there in the interest of this country, I think it's important for this trial to be televised that, that's my okay, whole I mean, point it, no I mean this I agree is, with this you. is I a agree different you, story quality, than anything really. else
5: that's not a good reason to change a law I mean be just because of this one thing that you want. Laws apply to everybody not just Donald Trump so if
1: you do He that, doesn't have a he do, well, no, no listen he's got the laws are applying to him because he is getting a fair and speedy trial he is no, no, getting no, no, represented no no no, well, let's, uh, let's let's no, no. The there is no question. there is, the is no, no protection on the law there is no protection in the law to keep you from from the trial being televised there's there's no okay, protection
5: Okay no no no, no 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 okay but let's let's go back to the initial point that I made when I first called him and I said the atrocities that happened to those poor lacrosse team members by an That was a different thing that, And, Ray
1: I'm not trying to wait, cut wait, 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 you off wait, wait, wait. we got we no. Ray, Ray, Go ahead, Ray we got to get to the news I I appreciate right, your call it was a news. spirited I debate I, I'm not trying to cut you off but time right, is the thank tyrant you so no, Thank you for I the call Ray
5: program, Brian. Thank you I
1: appreciate program. it appreciate it All right let's uh let's do this we do have to uh, we do have to get to the news I'm you know so let's take a little breaky and it's news time
0: The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Glad you're here.
1: Hour two of the big broadcast. You want to get involved, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line, Avail yourself of them, won't you? Sure. Uh, here's my question for you Do you think less of people who swear around you? If people use foul language, do you judge them? Does it depend on the situation? And what if there are kids around? Where do you fall on profanity? Well, the good news is if you are a resident of Milwaukee proper, you probably don't swear that much I enjoy swearing uh, almost too much I'm gonna be honest I know what you're saying well Brian we haven't heard you swear on the air yet that is uh, that is true I learned a valuable lesson years and years ago anytime there's a microphone in the room you have to treat it like it's on so you don't swear so even when even when we go to the news even when we're in a commercial break I will not swear in the studio Uh, but the minute the show is over and I am outside of a room with microphones and then I'll get back to it. Not, not gratuitously, but I don't mind peppering my conversation with a little profanity. It depends. It also depends who I'm talking to. It depends where I am. But the reason I bring this up is a new study was released and it said, come on, Milwaukee, you are one of the cities that swears the least in this country congratulations don't you feel wholesome don't you feel wonderful you should if you are a milwaukee resident uh americans it is said according to this study by uh preply which is an online language learning marketplace american use, americans use 21 swear words a day on average Matt, where were you, would you say you are? If we were
2: going over under with the line at twenty one, where would you put yourself, over or under? In terms of how much I swear? Yeah. Well, I went to school on the East Coast for four years. I'm from Chicago. Swearing around me, and obviously not when similar to you. It's like the the word the. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you're you're going to go over?
2: Yes. You you're above average. Yes. Which People probably thought, anyway, the,
1: oh, Matt's above average. Now it just comes out that one of the places you're above average is swearing. I know I'm above average, uh, just because usually the first word out of my mouth as is, uh, is my feet hit the floor in the morning is profanity. <laughs> but, you know, and again, mostly it's it's not in anger. It's just That's just how it is. But if you are a Milwaukeean, your average number of daily swears is 15, according to this study. That is very nice. Now it doesn't take into effect into effect if you're watching uh the Packers bucks or Brewers play and things are not going uh <laughs> going well, then it might, you know, but uh, that's why there's an average. Cuz some days you're higher, some days you're lower. We got to average it out, right? This surprised me though about this poll. Oh, the 414. Thank you. Back, right back at you. <laughs> I mean, Um, Jeff says, we're also the drunkest city at another poll. Yeah, well, sure. But, uh, you know, the nice thing is when you're drunk, you just put your head on the bar and you're not swearing. So there's a lot of polls. Milwaukee was tied with Boston for second place. Uh, We were beaten out by Phoenix and Portland. They swear on average of 14 times a day. Lazy, lazy pikers. You got to pick that up a little bit. Uh, Chicago was one of the three cities to come in fourth place with an average of 17 daily swears. Detroit was number five, 18 swears a day in Detroit, which I get. If you've ever been to Detroit, you'd be swearing too. If you just walk, had to live there and walk around, you know it's not all Eminem and Eight Mile uh, or the big Joe Lewis fist. There's a whole lot going on there to be sworn about. The city that swears most frequently, you want to guess, Matt?
2: The most? The New most. York.
1: City? New York, no. Not according to this. Columbus, Ohio. Really? Yes, 36 times a day on average.
2: But is that 36 <laughs> times a day on average? Or is the majority of that when they lose to Michigan or in the college football playoff, it hikes through yearly average and then the rest again, is clear? Again,
1: again, th- that's an average. <laughs> football season may be really high. This time of year, nobody's swearing because they're all, you know, looking forward to another good season for the Buckeyes. Talk to me in November if things aren't going well. That it's going to uh, that it's going to go from the nine one three used appropriately and in context, swearing is fine. Use in place of punctuation or because you have no other words to use it is different. Our kids are allowed to swear and taught what is appropriate and to be aware of the situation and audience. Uh and then they drop a nice one in there. Thank you. That see and the one now I can't say the word they ended that text with, but to me that's not really a swear word. Uh it's another word for poop, you know. Um that one is one I would I I would let people get away with not like a first grader in class they can't say it, but that one that one doesn't count to me. I'm talking about the big the big guns. Those are the ones you don't want uh that people might judge you on. And those are those are the ones that's like my stock in trade. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, I want to know, how, do you judge people who swear a lot around you? And are you a craftsperson when it comes to weaving profanities in and out of your linguistic day life? Wow, that was a stupid word. I apologize. 855-616-1620. I'm going to wash my mouth out with soap. We'll be back with more. It's WTMJ Nights. You're listening
0: to WTMJ Nights. Creative Planning presents Rethink Your Money with John Hagenson, Saturday afternoon at 1. At Creative Planning, we offer full service, comprehensive wealth management services through our in house team of wealth managers, accountants, and attorneys to integrate all aspects of your financial life. Get all the expertise, all the advice you need, all in house. Visit creativeplanning.com. That's creativeplanning.com. Acunet Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLSconsumerAccess.org number 255368. This is Chief Home Buying Strategist Brian Wickard. A lot of home shoppers just go with their bank when it comes to getting their pre-approval and financing their new home. That's exactly what Jordan and Michelle did and it wasn't until after they wrote their fifth losing offer that they took their agent's advice and called Acunet for a rock solid guaranteed pre-approval and offer strategy consultation. Every time you write an offer and lose, it's an emotional punch to the gut because you've already imagined having Thanksgiving dinner at that house. We're helping home shoppers and Their agents write stronger, more convincing offers every day with powerful tools and strategies that really work. If you don't mind writing five losing offers, go ahead and get a flimsy generic pre-approval from your bank or credit union. But if you want the best shot at writing an offer that gets accepted, get a rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval from Acunet. And I'll personally join in on your offer strategy consultation like I did for Jordan and Michelle, whose very next offer was a winner. All you got to do to get started is click on the blue button today at Accunet.
3: You know, most mulch is reclaimed from landfills, but Ericsson's mulch is ground from whole trees. Yep, we process the mulch ourselves to keep the prices nice and low and use only premium colorant so the beautiful look of new mulch lasts. At Erickson's, we never skimp, and that's why first-time shoppers become repeat customers. Ericsson's Landscape Supply. High-quality mulch and stone for a whole lot less. Commercial or residential, visit ericsonslandscapesupply.com to see our entire selection. How do we keep our prices so low? That's easy. We've removed the middlemen. Yep, most landscape suppliers have a couple of them in there. And that's okay. But each one of those men in the middle means a higher cost for your mulch, decorative stone, flagstone, and boulders. Feel free to check around. For the quality of our products, you won't find better prices. Ericsson's Landscape Supply. High-quality mulch and stone for a whole lot less. Commercial or residential, visit ericsonslandscapesupply.com to see our entire selection.
0: Now, more of WTMJ Nights. Talk about profanity
1: and the fact that according to a new poll or a new study, Milwaukee is one of the major cities that swears the least. Yes, congratulations, Milwaukee and Boston are tied with an average of 15 swears a day. Uh, they talked to more than 15 residents of 30 major cities. Uh, a lot of, uh, they ranged in age from Gen Zers to baby boomers. Over half of the people in the study were millennials. Half of the participants were men, 48% as women, 2% uh, identified as non-binary or preferred not to indicate their gender. Uh, I'm asking you because the reason I'm asking you if you judge people who swear a lot around you, some other things from this study, the uh, 49% of those surveyed think less of people who often swear around them. The only time I judge somebody for profanity is if, if you're in uh, a crowd with a lot of kids, you know? Now, hopefully, you're a better person than me. I I will admit to when my daughter was young, swearing in front of her. Um, I don't know if it warped her. It probably was not the best thing. But I, I never swear in front of other people's kids. So I only judge people who swear in front of kids. And, yes, that that means I do judge myself. Uh, from the 414, I'm always telling people I'm making up for lost time because I wasn't allowed to swear in the past. Taylor said, I would have said Vegas with all the casinos taking people's money. That makes sense. Yeah, there's a... You know, up in the suites, there's a lot of swearing going on. Uh, the 414, little nice message uh, about the poll. I don't, from another 414, I don't judge people who swear because, why, frankly, I'm one of them myself. Most of us are. The average age of the respondents to this uh, study said they first swore when they were around 11 years old. I don't remember the first time I swore. I remember hearing my dad swear. My mom never swore until my brothers and I got older, and then I think we just pushed her to the limit, and then she would swear, which is still kind of shocking if I hear my mom swear, because she doesn't really do it much, but uh, she does it a lot. Let's go to the phones, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Greg's from Waukesha. Hello, Greg. Hello. so just
4: real quick, the F word and the S word seem to be mo- most offensive to me, um, and um, its I was telling your call screener, it is interesting to hear profanity at places that you don't normally hear it. I uh, belong to a church, and I go to a Christian school, and it's always interesting to hear you know the F-bomb slip out, because it does slip out from time to time, and sure. I'm just like, taken aback, but those words, the F word and the S word, for some reason, the D word doesn't bother me, but, um, you know, and some other words bother me too. So I, I don't know. Have they always bothered um,
1: you, Greg? Is it, is it something new or are those, those two have always been words that you didn't, you didn't like hearing? They've,
4: they've, always bothered me to be honest i just don't think they sound right they just don't sound right coming out of one's mouth you know and yeah. i will i i i will just say this i will never date a girl who swears so i wow. you know um, or who uses those those words. So now, I know that limits the data a little bit, but
1: that could be a deal breaker, Greg. How how's if it's if it's an occasional thing or does that differ than if it's something that is yeah, in every other sentence. You know,
4: and like yeah, yeah, like people people who, you know, use the f word every other sentence. I just think like there's other words that you can yeah. use besides those words. I just really feel like that. And right. um,
1: you can- Well, Greg, I'm glad speech. you called. And thank you for the call. It is, uh, if we ever hang out, Greg, I'll make sure I watch my language. I appreciate it. Let's go to Frank from Milwaukee. Hey, Frank. Yeah, hey there. Uh, I just have to hear you guys bring uh, this uh, topic up. And
4: I I got to say that, uh, I came up there to, uh, and got treatment in 2006. And one of the things that, uh, along with the treatment, one of the things that I just stopped doing was cursing, you know, uh, I I don't use profanity any longer. I, one thing that I really, really noticed, see, I've I've always been pretty, you know, pretty intelligent, pretty smart, pretty articulate. (laughs) And, I. I learned that a lot of cursing are filler words, you know, and so
1: I just did my best to just keep them filler words out of out of there and yeah. and to uh, talk without cursing. You know? Yeah, that's, you know what, that's a very interesting point, Frank, that a lot of people do, they're not trying to be graphic, they're not trying to be rude, they're just trying to fill some silence, and if they don't have the right word, they'll Absolutely. throw... They'll throw that in just to fill the spot. So very, very, uh, very astute point. I appreciate the call, Frank. Thanks very much. Uh, Kathy in Franklin says, I really dislike to hear a woman swear or anyone who swears in front of a woman. Yeah, that's, the. you know what? I I get that. And I do, there is that kind of old school chivalry, chivalrous mindset that I think is, uh, I think is valid. Unfortunately, I don't think it have I don't think it's uh happening all the time. Now, Matt had a good question. He said, "Well, what if you stub your toe or something?" Well, Matt, funny you should ask that. In the study, it said situations in which Americans are most likely to watch, uh to watch their mouths include oh, this is when they're watching their mouths, speaking in front of their boss, talking to or in front of children or speaking in front of elders or parents, but scenarios where swear words are most likely when people accidentally hurt themselves. Matt, because you asked about stubbing your toe. Yes, and come on, I don't care who you are. You could be the pastor of the biggest, most righteous church. I have a feeling if you're working on something and you hit your thumb with a hammer, something's coming out that probably was not in the Bible. And I don't judge you for that because we've all done it. When you accidentally hurt yourself, when you feel road rage, when you get bad news or sometimes when you get good news or making a making a joke or during an argument those all make sense for when people use profanity a little bit more I had one joke in my act Uh, I don't do it anymore but it was a joke and I I had the F word in it as an exclamation and the joke worked really well but then I got to a point where I was like oh, I don't want to use that word in in the act anymore so I'm gonna try and I tried every other word as to fill that spot and the joke never worked again it only worked with that that word which made me think well it's probably not that funny then if it only works with that word uh men this is not going to surprise you are more likely to swear than women um 54% of those surveyed swear at themselves more than they swear at any other person hmm i don't know about that all right, let's take a quick break. We'll get to uh, see if we have time for some more calls and text. 855 616 1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. It's WTMJ Knights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights, 855 616 1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Milwaukee, one of the major cities that swears the least. A uh, lot of feedback on the swearing, and if you judge people who swear, uh, here is a, a man, this is a, a voice from the past, Dave from Maryland. Hey, Dave, how are you?
6: Hey, Brian, great to talk to you, man. Yeah, I, um, I was turned on by your little Facebook post there, and then I, I listened to you for a little bit. I have to chime in on this now because I now drive rideshare for Uber and Lyft, and, okay. and you're in Washington, D.C., and you have all these strangers coming into your car. And when I hear the word N-word, the N-word, or the S Ooh. or the F, and used especially, especially over the phone or from one pastor to another, it drives me crazy. It absolutely And as a Uber driver, you can't
1: really – do you have any recourse other than giving them a bad rating?
6: That's the recourse right there. You said it. And I guess maybe they don't understand that their hey what their words say can also affect me, and especially if it's like a non-stop phone conversation that loud, especially using the n-word. And I'm you know I'm talking, yeah. I mean it offends me, and I'm a 67 year old white guy. So I mean this is really you know, it's crazy. I also work as an usher at the ballpark at Nats Park, and uh, we take that very seriously because you know we get kids there too. Oh yeah, if you're,
1: no, that makes sense, because when you're at a uh, ball game or when you're at a public event, you know, people don't want, people don't want their kids exposed to a lot of this stupidity.
6: Right, exactly, and that's what it boils down to, It, it boils down to how you communicate with other people and the settings that you're in. Now, hey, I'll be the first one to admit, like yourself, I've been doing it my whole life, but... A lot of it depends upon the setting, who you're saying it to, and where you're saying it. And uh, oh, like I said, in my Uber or Lyft, you start running your mouth, especially with that N-word, I'm going to give you one star. There you go. Dave, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Be safe
1: out there. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you, sir. Sure. Karen's in Milwaukee. Hi, Karen. <laughs>
4: Well, good evening. I just have to tell you, I was laughing through this whole thing because I'm have I go up, I'm around a lot of guys. So I don't swear like if I'm in church or around little kids and stuff. But when we walked to breakfast, one of them said, I'm a sailor, and you talk worse than I do. And I said, <laughs> hey, you know, and I laughed, you know. It's like, I don't know. I just think it's uh, funny, and it doesn't bother me, and um, I'm with you. I just, I don't know. I'm a really good person. Somebody said, and you call yourself a Christian? I said, screw you, and God loves me, too. You know?
1: yeah, like, I like, listen, yeah, I don't... Listen, yeah. I draw the line there, Karen. I don't think I don't think swearing has anything to do with being a good person or a good
3: Christian. No, it's like, no, not
4: at all. And so I love swearing. I'm 70, and so I wanted to let you know I'm one of those women. I wish I could have gotten that study. I have told them a few <laughs> things, but I... I swear, I just do. All right. All well, Karen, you'd be throwing, throwing off the
1: average. <laughs> you'd be you'd be up in that average a little bit. You might have knocked Milwaukee out of the yeah. top three.
6: Oh, all right, I'll well, thank you map. for the call, all Karen. Right.
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, got a couple more texts. For me, uh, cursing is an interjection, an adjective or a verb. That from Taylor. From the 414, I know swearing has become much more common, but I used to work with another supervisor who had a classic potty mouth, People got pretty used to hearing her swearing on a regular basis. I walked into something one day, and I said, what in the Sam age is going on here? Everybody's right. Oh, my gosh, she's got to be there. She's swearing because I don't normally swear. Uh, the other thing, I grew up in a small town with my parents running a tavern. Most of the people who came were construction workers. They did not swear in front of me, and I think I was well into my 20s and working as a nurse before I even heard a mildly off-color joke from any of them. Well, that is, uh, that is a very good way to be. And it's funny, um, another thing in this survey, 57% of those uh, said they use substitutions when they swear, like fudge or frick or holy smokes. I find that more offensive. Somebody says frick. Just If you're going to say it, say it. We know what you want to say. Then just say it. Peter said, remember Andrew Dice Clay, anytime I hear someone in public or a professional setting speaking as he did, I have zero respect for them. Yeah, I'll be honest. If I went into a meeting with our bosses and they started, uh, you know, spouting off a litany of profanities, I'd probably wonder what the heck was going on. Uh, But, you know, if I'm not going to be offended if I go... To a comedy show, and somebody uses a couple profanities thrown in there because that's how people talk. I'm not going to be. I'm going to be offended if somebody starts in anger throwing a lot of profanities my way. Cause you know, one, now I got to throw them back, and I try to save them up for the right uh, for the right situation. All right, let's do this. Then there's more. It's WTFJ nights. <laughs> Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights, here until 8, and then it's Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio. If you want to get involved in the program, we'd love to have you. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, I'm glad you're here, Matt, because I, as a sports guy, I wanted to talk about this story with you because there are sentences in this uh, that I never thought I would utter, uh, like former Packers linebacker and banned from selling Pokemon cards. Those are two things I never thought I would, uh, I would say in conjunction with each other. But we must because we're talking about Blake Martinez who played for the Packers from 2016 through 2019. He last played for the LA Raiders in 22. This sentence I also never thought I'd say. He left football to sell Pokemon cards. All right, we'll let that sink in for a minute. Uh, and then he started a brand, Blake's Breaks, and he was selling... He was selling Pokemon cards and he would do these videos on his website, which is no longer around, uh, where he and people, they would open packages of Pokemon cards to to see what was in there and they'd be live streaming and people go, oh man, and then they were selling them on this whatnot, which is an online social marketplace that I've never heard of. Uh, I guess it's kind of like eBay because it allows users to sell products to each other. Well, they banned him. They banned Blake's Breaks from selling products to customers. They said, and I quote, We really appreciate the community's commitment to reporting trust and safety issues. Our priority is ensuing a fair and honest experience for customers and upholding our community guidelines. After a comprehensive investigation into Blake's Breaks operations, we have decided to permanently remove the seller from our platform, including the individual employees involved in misconduct. The misconduct allegedly allegedly is in one video. There was uh. One of his employees was seen like palming a deck of cards and then opening another one, and uh, it's reported it was reported in the Athletic, in the Atlantic rather that he made over eleven million dollars selling Pokemon cards. That's since he retired from football. All right, Matt, uh, were you aware of any of this going? Not not like were you
2: involved, but were you aware that this this is a thing? Because I was not. I wasn't aware of him getting caught for scamming the Pokemon cards. I knew he retired from football to get involved with the Pokemon business. And that's not... Was that the real reason? Because I read that sentence and I don't know enough
1: about Blake Martinez. I was like, that can't be real. Who retires from the NFL to sell Pokemon cards?
2: He did have some injury issues after he left the Packers. um, So that could have played a factor. You're also seeing a lot of early retirements from NFL players, especially yeah. at the inside linebacker position. You look at Luke Keekley Carolina Panthers star, retired early. Patrick Willis of the San Francisco 49ers, retired yeah. early. Uh, they so, to protect their brains. I it, don't blame them for yeah, that. Chris Borland. I could go on and on. So that's not entirely a shock. What is the shock here is, and you see this from a lot of players, they retire early and they still have to do something. Sure, they don't necessarily you need to make the money.
1: 24, you got to make some cash.
2: But they still need to be occupied, even though Blake Martinez made over $30 million from the New York Giants over his three-year contract, and that was his big contract after he came on the rise in Green Bay. But the scamming, and I read a little bit in terms of the scamming, based on the articles I read, it said that he made it right with the people who he wronged, but... It's still yeah, that's curious he he, because he, he, I also am not sure what kind of operation he's running. Is this Blake's breaks thing? Is this a one man band? Does he have a staff? Is this an no, issue down? He, like
1: he has a staff because they would be they would be on these uh, ripping packs or box break videos. There were, there were a number of them, and mo- the big complaints were that he allegedly. Um, wasn't sending the cards that they had purchased and people were not getting what they paid for uh... but he did have he did have employees and then on this one video an employee was seen switching a pack of cards before opening it so he did go on and he apologized he said he gave them uh... uh... gave them back everything uh... every uh... he understands the optics of what the post looked like i understand how it looks uh... went on to say that he never wanted to make this feel like a scam uh... he said i'm definitely going to take this as a learning experience especially as a first-year business and i'm going to make improvements Um but yeah he did he did make restitution it just it I i didn't realize that this was such big business if the reports in the atlantic are correct and he made eleven million from selling pokemon cards what am i doing wrong <laughs> My career my I got to go back to high school and slap our counselors right in the face oh go, man why, why didn't you tell me any of this
2: this is insanity oh yeah it's it's ridiculous this whole the whole trading card industry and I'm more familiar with the sports memorabilia side of things I'm not necessarily familiar with the Pokemon side of things but people make a lot of money off of this just by landing the right card or the right item because there are yeah. also fanatics that will pay their mortgage for a certain collectible
1: that's insane well it says the reports were that his company blake's breaks sold over two hundred and thirty thousand items so that's a lot so what i'm understanding is and if you're if you're into the trading card industry or if you're into pokemon Maybe you can enlighten us at 855-616-1620, because sometimes I feel like I'm on another planet, and this is definitely it. So he must buy, all, he must invest in all of these cards, and then they rip them open, all just looking. So it's a treasure hunt, basically, and then you're showing people what you found on your treasure hunt, and they're buying it. Does that sound about right, Matt? Seems about right. Yeah. All right. It's.
2: I'm not too again. again I'm not too familiar. Circling back to the start of the show. A lot of my campers when I was a camp counselor loved Pokemon to yes. a point where they would trade with each other and that caused a lot of crying hmm because of yes. raw deals that sort we, of, that faded me away from the Pokemon world we have had to at school we do not let the children bring their
1: pokemons uh, because kids would come to school with the big v- binders and these kids had obviously now they're seven six seven, in first grade. They've obviously been collected for a long time because they have giant binders full of these Pokémon cards in individual sleeves and everything's good. And yes, there's always some kid who's gullible and gets duped and suddenly your first edition Charizard is gone. I don't even I know Charizard's a Pokémon. He's the only one I know besides Pikachu. Uh, I don't know if he's valuable or not. But the point is somebody's always getting ripped off. But that's on a small base, so we're like, no, if you bring if you bring them, your, bo- your binder stays in your backpack. We don't want to see it, and don't take it out at recess, and don't come crying that so-and-so, you traded, or they, you know, you don't give anybody, because we've had kids come back the next day. Oh, I gave so-and-so my Pokemon card yesterday, and I want it back. It's like, too bad, friend. You gave it away, you know. I can't help it that your dad was going to buy a new Mercedes with that car. That's, you know, Really not my, uh, you know, I got enough trouble with this kid over here eating his boogers. I can't really get, I can't get involved in your Pokemon drama right now. So I, I did not realize that this was a thing. Like, I get the sports cards. Like, if you have a first edition Cal Ripken or, you know, rookie, rookie, whoever, I can see those being valuable to collectors. I guess I just didn't realize that it transferred over into... Like Pokemon Car.
2: Well, it still does. And also, all these fans are super duper intense about it to the point where there was this one, one of my cabin mates, and I keep tying this to the start of the show. So if you missed I the start of the show. I love that
1: coming back to sleepaway camp. I you, love that everything tonight is somehow or another, we're going back to sleepaway camp.
2: I do have to promote that if you missed <laughs> the first hour of the show, you can catch it on podcast later tonight, yes. WTMJ.
1: Um, I also have to ask you, are you being reimbursed by
2: this uh, Camp North Star in any way for the plugs? I'm getting paid. I I cut a deal with them. So I'll go with deal first, and then I'll go into the Pokemon. So the deal was, (laughs) since the campers do not have their phones on them, and the sports world doesn't stop. Right. My mom works there. She's one of the seven full-time staff that they have. Oh, cool. She's not the biggest sports fan And uh, she has a lot of work. Her job requires a lot of work over the summer because you have parents calling, you run the entire operation of a summer camp. It's a year's work in three months, and then you get a little bit of relaxation once the campers go home and once the season ends. So she called me up around NBA draft time, and she said, "Do you know what sports I can post on the board? I have some campers asking." Okay. And uh, I was a nice guy. I just said, "Look." I'll send you a one-page doc every single day with the headlines, <laughs> and then uh, if there's anything extensive, like the NBA draft or sure. the MLB trade deadline, I'll make a list of those transactions and send them to you. You can print. So I'm doing that, and then I, she's like, I'll pay you. It'll be great. And I said, no, you don't have to do that. I said, you say
1: you're charging your mom?
2: I said, the one thing is just when I go up to visit – in july if i could stay for a few days as long as i don't have to work and i'm not working because it was the all-star break i knew that and also it was back when justin was here i knew there was going to be some time that i was going to be off and i said if i could stay a few extra days you know it'd be nice if i could see you see my brother you know stay up at camp for a few days Uh, and then have room board all that included fair trade so it worked that that was the deal and then, oh, Pokemon story now.
1: Yes, Pokemon. So
2: when I was so for one day in the second session, the counselors go around and they do a wild wake up. It's on one of the competition days, and they come in, they shake the bunks. There's one kid every year that has his mattress dragged outside. It's just tradition. And so one of my cabin mates brought all his magic cards to camp for some reason. I'm not like entirely Magic sure why. Gathering? Yeah, I don't know so why that- because you're not gonna really trade. It, 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 they, re, yeah. it, I don't know if you play with that. I don't know. I'm not apt to that. But yeah, I don't know either. So, it's the night before. It's his first year. It's all the rest of our cabins. I think third year at that point, point. and we're telling him about the wake up, and he freaks out. And we're like, No, it's okay. They just come in. You know, shake <laughs> your bunk. It's not going to be that big of a deal. The only person that they really do anything to is this one kid who they drag his mattress out and they do that with one kid from the time he turns eight years old until he leaves camp. It's the same kid? Yeah, it's the same kid. They pick a kid and this kid was actually my age and so they started doing it when he was eight years old and they kept on doing it one time every year until he left, which was 2019, I believe. Yeah. So it was a long time, but (laughs) back to the story. Kid uh, keeps freaking out, and we're like, what's going on? What's going on? I need to hide my magic cards. They're going to take my magic cards. And I'm like, oh, man. Don't, nobody wants you. Nobody wants the magic cards. They just want to shake the bunks and move on to the next And We all got business to do. All right. <laughs> you know.
1: Enough of the magic cards. No, I uh, – Peter, Peter Tech said, most of the business of selling collectibles and trading cards is based on the greater fool theory, that if you buy one of these, there's always a greater fool who'll pay you more if uh, somebody than you paid for it. There's, I think that's with everything, you know, stocks, with everything. You you find somebody who's willing to pay it. And I guess, but see, the difference. the difference to me with sports cards, like, I don't care, Matt, you could sit from now until the end of time opening packages of baseball cards and you would never find a Babe Ruth card you are never gonna find a rookie Cal Ripken card you are never gonna find you know cuz they're already gone they're done but they keep printing these Pokemon cards so yeah you might find it you might find one or two somewhere but I can only imagine you have to go through thousands and thousands before you find one that's even worth anything but didn't you say that
2: they reprint these Pokemon cards they just get, I mean, there's more, they, doesn't that lessen the value it w- you would think, cause there's a thing with baseball cards just to open, but with sports memorabilia and I'll isolate cards versus everything else. All right. If you have a signed helmet or a signed puck, that's something that can't be replicated. Like if you right. had, and I don't know, this is probably, well, I know exactly where this is. It's in. Tom Ricketts' office, if you're the last out of the 2016 World Series, that's going to make a lot of money, and there's no other baseball that's the last out of the 2016 World Series. That's one yeah. unique
1: right. It's nothing. Right, you're never getting another one.
2: If they're well, reprinting cards, to- isn't that a piece of cardboard? I
1: don't know. Uh, well, that was when we talked to our buddy um, Michael with the sports collectibles a, few, a month or so ago that's it's a crazy crazy business taylor says i had a mark mcguire olympic team card worth roughly five thousand dollars that was before the steroid scandal it went down to twenty bucks Oh taylor you should have sold timing is everything speaking of that it's time for me to do this it's wtmj nights don't few more minutes and then tom catronio takes over after the eight o'clock news with brewers weekly here on wtmj uh, just a quick programming note. I will be at the state fair on Saturday from two to five with Steve Scafidi and Ter uh Oh my gosh. <laughs> with the uh, crew from Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. I don't know. I just had a uh, just had a mental break. Um that was that was horrible, so Steve S Sandy, Sandy Max and myself at the Wisconsin State Fair from two to five if you're at the fair, stop by, bang on the window, say hello, see what we 're up to uh, we're going to be out there having a good time. This is very uh this is disappointing, Matt. I know you were already looking forward to being ringside at the Elon Musk Mark Zuckerberg cage match. seems like it may not be happening. Raise your hand if you're shocked all right i don't see any hands. Well, they may just be having a noble debate instead of a cage fight. Uh, The Zuck seems he's ready. He wants to keep going. It seems Elon is the one going, maybe, maybe. Um, If you don't remember, uh, it all started when uh, Mark Zuckerberg said he would cage fight he would need or Elon said he was up for a cage fight if Zuckerberg was this was in June Zuckerberg responded writing send me a location uh since then the two CEOs have gone back and forth um this is really fighting uh I believe a noble sport said Musk we also hope with humility to express our admiration for those who have fought before for noble causes. I don't know what any of that means, but uh he's trying he's trying to get a debate instead of a fight because he he's like, well I might need surgery before I fight. really Elon. I got to say, I think Zuckerberg's the scrappier one. I think Zuckerberg has more to prove. Um still trying to live down that paddleboard picture where he was in uh, long sleeves and he was painted up with that zinc oxide all over his head. Um, oh, Peter, good question. How do we know this wouldn't have been a battle of their AI-generated likenesses? That would have been fun. I would have liked to have seen that, kind of like their two uh, their two emojis going at it. So uh, Zuckerberg suggested August 26th is the date for the fight, um, but uh, then the meta, that's, he's not holding his breath, said Zuckerberg. Uh, I love this sport and will continue competing with people who train no matter what happens here, because he's training as a cage fighter. Uh, Elon Musk said it's still in flux, and he might he might need surgery. He claims that he's scheduled to get an MRI on his neck and upper back, but no update was supplied. Oh, well. Well, listen. Thank you for being part of the show. A lot of great discussions tonight. Thank you for listening and jumping in. Matt, thank you for all your help. I will talk to you Saturday from the fair, and then we'll be back together Monday right here on WTMJ.